I don't normally wear my Vikings jersey on a work day. But I do so today because I'm proud to be a Viking fan. And that's not just because the Vikings just won, just beat the Buffalo Bills 30 to 30, 33 to 30. Uh, even though most pundits said that they were likely to lose, even though this was overtime. And if you're a Bills fan, sorry, not sorry. It was a great win. I wear this jersey to say, I don't care about all the Viking haters. They're everywhere. In fact, I know there's, there's going to be a Packer fan here that's going to want to come up to me afterwards and ask me this question. How many times had the Vikings lost the Super Bowl? Four. How many times have the Packers won the Super Bowl? Four. In truth, it's really hard to be a Viking fan. They're consistently a good team that consistently chokes when it matters most. The Vikings have an all-time overall record of 524 wins to 451 losses. <clears throat> they have the highest regular season winning percentage among NFL franchises who have never won the Super Bowl. In addition, they have the most playoff runs, the most division titles, the most conference championship appearances of non-winning Super Bowl teams. It's really hard to be a Vikings fan. I'm sure that Vikings fans had the most ER visits to game-induced heart attacks. I'm sure that many a psychiatrist has made their money on treating chronic disappointment syndrome of Vikings fans. This year's better somehow. I don't know how, I don't, I don't fully understand it, but the Vikings are eight and one, and I am, I'm hating having hope in the Vikings because I just know what they're gonna do to me. This last Sunday's game against the Bills is an interesting case in point. It's the end of the first quarter. There's a minute and change. And I, again, how do they do it? But the Vikings get right down to the one-yard line. They have four attempts to get the ball across the, 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 uh, the end zone and, and, and score to win the game, and they can't do it. They, they stop with just inches. It's most assured the Vikings are going to lose you know, I don't even know why I'm watching anymore. I should just turn off the TV. The very next play, the Bills fumble the ball. The Vikings fall on the ball and score a touchdown. And now I'm thinking, there's, well, there's only 40 seconds left. It's most assuredly they're going to win. What do the Bills do? They march the ball right down the field and they score a field goal. And now we're tied. We're going to overtime. It's very hard to be a Vikings fan. Increasingly, it's hard to be a Christian. Christians get a bad name, and sometimes they deserve it, uh, you know, due to their bad behavior. Other people, when they really think about what Christians believe, they find it laughable. Christians basically believe that a man named Jesus is the all-supreme being ruling the world ruling the cosmos. In one of the Apostle Paul's letters, he starts off a train of thought with these words. The message of the cross 
is foolishness. You see, when Paul and the other apostles preached in their day, most people in, you know, in, in, their, in, their, in the empire of Rome saw Christianity as something stupid. So just for a moment, consider the problem of faith in Christ that non-believers have. Christians believe that an all-powerful God, the Creator, transformed Himself and became a human being who walked on this earth incognito. Sounds kind of weird. This man, who was called Jesus, he didn't do anything really great. He didn't start schools of philosophy. He wasn't a Plato. He didn't write inspiring books. He didn't start an international humanitarian aid organization. He didn't build cities or empires, conquer other nations. He did none of that. He was from a little town that, that nobody had ever heard of. In fact, the best thing known about him was how he died. He was betrayed by his own people, condemned in a kangaroo court, whipped to within inches of his life, and then had others nail him to a cross where he bled out and died. If he was truly the son of God as he claimed, you would think that he would have flexed some muscle, he would have flown off that cross, and he would have said, enough, behold the wrath of God, and wiped those insolent people off the planet. But that's not who he was. Christians follow a crucified Messiah. And that sounds like utter nonsense to non-believers. A moment ago, I read to you the first half of Paul's uh, statement, and I want to finish that sentence right now. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The cross, the death, the crucifixion, it is the power of God. By this one great act of sacrifice, God saves mankind, every soul, from sin, from death. What everyone thought was the demise of Jesus was actually his coronation. It was his victory, and it's mankind's victory. What is the sin that Christ Jesus saves mankind from? Sin is that corrupting influence which tells us to make our own rules, to decide for ourselves what we think is right and best, to do life our own way. It convinces us that we are wiser than God himself. And some of us get along quite a while believing in only ourselves. But I tell you the truth. Your sins always catch up to you. We reap what we sow. Every one of us is going to find a time in our life when we cannot excuse our behavior. We can't climb out of the mess that we've made all on our own. We're going to find a time when we are going to need God's forgiveness. And we're going to need his help at a second chance. And it's at that moment that the message of the cross is so 
powerful. It's at that moment that God will save your soul. And the cross truly does save. But in order for it to do that, we have to find our identity in the cross of Christ. And so how do we do that? One more verse, Romans 6, 5. Paul said, For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a life like his. For Christians, to have an identity in Christ, it means that we have put our faith in Jesus' death. And just as he died, we die to ourselves. And we do this in, in a baptism. It's a death. And we, we, have, we find our identity in that. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And then out of that death comes a resurrection, a new life, a new power to start saying no to sin, yes to righteousness, and finding a better way of life. It's this identity that non-believers think is foolish. But I'm not ashamed of my identity in Christ. There's never been a better man who has lived on which to stake my life upon. There is not a richer faith than Christianity in which to make sense of life. And I don't care who ridicules me. I have found my true identity in Christ. But this talk isn't about me. It's about you and your search for identity, purpose, belonging. And I ask you one thing. Please don't let others tell you what to believe. Don't let their ridicule of the Christ cause you to just dismiss him out of hand. Take every opportunity you get to ask questions. Learn about him. And I pray that every one of you will find your identity in Christ. And of course, if I can be of any help to you, please seek me out. My identity as a Vikings fan means nothing. It's just for fun. But my identity in Christ means everything. I want to leave you with the words of Paul. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who believe, it is the power of God. Thank you for listening.